It's podcasting time. This is Just Another Jerk. Dispatches from Japan. I am, as always, Jonathan Isaacson. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It's probably on Spotify or Apple. Those are kind of the two big ones. But you can find the podcast in a lot of other places as well. And while you're there um, subscribing, make sure you give it a rating. And if you got a few minutes or two, give it a review. And whatever you do, share the podcast with someone who might find it interesting. Or maybe someone who might not find it interesting, but, you know, give it a try. Whatever. Anywho. So today's episode going to be a little bit of a shorter one if I can, you know, keep myself short, which I usually can't, but whatever. I just wanted to get something out there as classes are ending for first semester. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get a few episodes in the can and have kind of a backlog. Uh, so we won't have to go quite so long between episodes um, for a while at least, but we'll see. I've got some ideas, uh, got some time, hopefully in the next month, month and a half, and we'll see what we can do. So... Today is, not January, it's July, it's summer. Today is July 30th, which is my Japaniversary. Woo, 17 years in Japan. Wow. Um, It seems like it hasn't been that long at all. But, of course, you know, then I stop and think about it. It's like, yeah, no, it really has been that long, hasn't it? Um, You know, I've talked about all this a lot before. Go back, listen to some of the earlier episodes if you want to hear some of the same stuff in more, more detail. But, you know, this seems like a good time to talk about some of this stuff, my, my, my time in Japan. So I moved to Japan right out of university. And I didn't know what I was doing, really. Um, you know, I was interested in Japan um, through my study of history, right? So my advisor in university was my history professor who was the Asian history specialist. Uh, He's primarily China, but he he knew a lot about Japan, of course, too. Um, But yeah, Frank Derringer, he was our Asian history professor at Lawrence University. And he had a huge impact on my life. Um, So Frank, wherever you are, thank you. You know, I know he retired a while back, and I don't really know where he ended up after retirement. But Wherever he is, Frank, you made a huge impact on my life, so thank you for that. And so he was the one who steered me towards the it was the CESA program, C-E-S-A. I don't remember what that stood for. But it was a program from Waseda students, Waseda University, one of the big prestigious private universities in Japan. It was kind of a liberal arts thing where they would go do a year abroad, um, I think, I think it was just in the U.S., at least when it started. It might have expanded. I have no idea. Um, But, you know, I didn't know a lot at that time yet about Japan and and everything. But so we had I was a host roommate for one of the Waseda students, right? Give them the whole U.S. experience, university experience. And so that led me to the new Japanese language program, right? I'm, I'm hosting Japanese student okay, I'll try to learn some Japanese language because I had to take the language anyway. And sure, why not Japanese? And so, yeah, Frank Derringer, um, Yamagata Ayako, my Japanese professor, 
they were really the two who got me to consider the JET program. Programmy, if you want to use the, I mean, it's the P-R-O-G-R, P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-E, the British spelling. Um, yeah, the programmy. Yeah, um, but yeah, so professors Derringer and Yamagata, they got me to kind of consider the JET program. And that is how I ended up in Kisakata, a small town in Akita, uh, in northeastern Japan in 2004. 17 years ago. Um, so yeah, Kisakata. It was and still is the sticks. And I say that in the most loving way possible. I, I loved, I loved Kisakata. I still love it. Um, I absolutely would have loved to have been able to stay there a little bit longer. But, well, jobs. I mean, the, the, my contract was up. It's Inaka which means countryside in Japanese. There aren't a lot of jobs for like the native Japanese people in Kisakata. Pretty sure that, you know, that, that, that uh, yeah, there would have been absolutely nothing for me, right? But yeah, I mean, because Kisakata, so I, I, I'm certain that Kisakata's population is continuing to fall. So Nikoho City, which is the city that Kisakata and the two neighboring towns merged to become Nikoho City. And so I was looking up, looking it up, and uh, yeah, Nikoho, the population, is falling. It still is falling to this day. So the area when I lived there, it was about 28,000 between the three cities, the three, ta- sorry, the three towns, Kisakata, Konura, and Nikoho Town. It was 28,000. And now, you know, 17 years later, the population of Nikoho City is 23,000. So in just, you know, in less than two decades, it's lost, you know, 5,000 people. And yeah, jobs, they're not easy to come by in a place like that because um, the factories are leaving. Because there were factories in Kisakata when I first moved there. There aren't really factories in Kisakata, as far as I know. Um, yeah, so... If you're, if it's hard to find a job for a native Japanese person, a middle, you know, mid twenty-something American citizen, U.S. citizen, with only passable Japanese speaking ability, which is, I mean, that's what I was when I left Akita in two thousand seven. Yeah, there, there would have been nothing for me to do, so I couldn't stay in Kisakata. But I love to go back, even if I, even if I, you know, it's just for short visits. But yeah, say had I been offered the chance to stay a little longer in Kisakata, I absolutely would have at the end of those three years. But if I'd stayed longer, who knows where I would have ended up? Would I have stayed in Japan? I don't know. I don't know if I would have. But yeah, I mean that three-year limit, that that three-year my job, my ALT job, was three years, and that limit was one of the nexus points around which my life completely revolved and turns. Um, so I ended up moving to Hokkaido, to Hakodate, after I left, uh, after I left Kisakata. I mean, Hakodate, it's a great city, but it's also in decline, if we're being honest. Um, yeah, so, let's see, see, I, I was looking, again, I looked this one up too, and I think Hakodate has lost something like twenty-five to 30,000 people since I, I left. Um, I mean, again, obviously it's a lot bigger than Kisakata, um, cause right, the 30,000, that's more than the entire population of Nikaho. Um, 
But yeah, Hakodate is also in decline. But yeah, it, it, it's still, it's a wonderful city. I do really like visiting Hakodate. Um, I, have, I have a chance to go there because where my wife's from, my in-laws live in Hakodate. So it's a nice place. So yeah, it's a wonderful city. And I had kind of an eh job when I lived there. But it was at that job that I had my first chance to teach university courses. And so, so I was working at a conversation school, a Kiowa. Thankfully, not a big national chain. It was a private run uh, a Kiowa. So it was, by as far as a Kiowas go, it was a pretty good setup. Um, but they had a contract with the local university of education teaching twice a week um, basic English communication courses. And that was my first taste of teaching at um, a university. And I mean, that's where I am now. I'm a university instructor. Uh, not a professor yet, but on my way, hopefully. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, all that stuff. So anyway, yeah, and enough. Enough about my personal journey. You can go say, you can go back, have a look, have a listen to all the uh, older episodes. You can hear about a lot of that stuff. Let's talk about some of the things that have changed since I stepped off that plane in, in Tokyo in 2004. Exactly 17 years ago today. Um, at least say 17 years ago for me. I don't know what time you're listening to this, what day you're listening to this, but whatever. 17 years. Yeah, I mean, so for me personally, obviously a lot has changed. I mean, I stepped off that plane in 2004. Not really sure what I was doing. Um, I mean, both with my life, but also with my job. Like I, I didn't know about teaching. I didn't know what the heck that involved. It was the jet program. It was an ALT. It's like, can you breathe? Can you speak English? Great. Come have a job. I know. I know the restriction. The the, the requirements, not restrictions. The requirements have gotten more stringent in the intervening years. But when I did the jet program, it was pretty much. Are you a you are you a college or university graduate from an English speaking country? Great, come be an ALT. It's kind of what the requirements were. Um, so I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't know what I was doing with my life. Honestly, um, I was expecting to stay in rural Akita two maybe three years, and then you know head back to the U.S. for I don't know what, but. I mean, Japan, it was never really meant to be a long-term thing for me. But that that did change pretty quickly. Um, pretty early on, I knew that I wanted to stay in Japan for more than just those couple, you know, two, three years. And, I mean, now, look at me, 17 years later, here I am with a family, which, and happy birthday to my wife, by the way. Her birthday is also on... Um, the same day as my Japan anniversary, so great. Anyway, that's I mean, yeah. So here I am, say seventeen years later, I got a family. Um, I have a job that, like I say, I'm hopeful can become a long term position. Um, not there yet, so don't want to jinx it. But yeah, and that that is something that's within sight at this point. So for at least the medium term. And I guess probably, honestly, fairly long term, if not permanent term. Um, Japan's home. 
So that's obviously a big change in those 17 years. And I mean, there's a lot of reasons. You know, you, the, when you talk about immigration, you have your push and pull factors, right? Reasons to go to a country, but also re- leave the country you're, you're, you're departing. There are definitely pushes out of the U.S. and pulls into Japan for me. Um, I'm not going to go into them in detail. And so if you really want to know, you can come talk to me. You can send me a message. We can talk if you want to know about them. But there are pushes and pulls for staying in Japan. So that's me personally. But what about Japan? I mean, what has changed in the last 17 years? I mean, honestly, it's one of those things. It's pretty hard to realize all the things that have changed when you live in a place, right? Because the changes are very small in the daily, every, you know, in your daily life. You don't notice the changes very much because they're so small, right? You don't, it's hard to notice the accumulation of all these small changes from within. So as someone who lives in the country, it's often hard for me to notice these changes. Um, Obviously, if I really stop and think about it, sure, I can I, I can come up with a lot of differences from when I came to, wh- to where we are now. It's probably a lot easier for someone who visits occasionally, right? Every couple of years, maybe, or even every, you know, f- five, ten years comes back. Wow, that's a lot has changed. It's a lot easier to notice those changes when you don't see them every day. You know, it's kind of like growing up. You don't feel older every day, but, well, every day you are a day older, and suddenly you're 17 years older. So, I mean, obviously, there are things that I have noticed changing. Um, I mean, one of the changes I've talked about already is, this is something, that's, and it's long been a thing in Japan, well before I started uh, I, my life in Japan. A lot of places in rural Japan are declining and continue to decline. Uh, I mean, heck, like I say, not even, not so rural places like Hakodate, um, right. It was a city of close to 300,000 when I moved there. Now it's like 250,000. Um, so, yeah, th- there is a definite decline. I mean, Japan has long had a low birth rate. And you couple that with essentially no immigration. It's not no immigration. It's very limited immigration in Japan. And there is a population decline. And, you know, you couple that with just how concentrated everything is in Japan around the big cities, you know, your Tokyo, Yokohama areas, your Osaka, Kobe, um, you know, and to a lesser extent, places like uh, Sapporo, Fukuoka, and even here in Sendai, where I live now, Niigata, you know, places that are, you know, the around the million, one to two million mark, even those places, right? They're the local centers, right? Sapporo is this local center for Hokkaido and Fukuoka is the same for Kyushu, and Sendai is the same for uh, Tohoku. So yeah, places like that kind of concentrate everything. And yeah, it it means that a lot of rural areas and even not-so-rural areas are... They're they're getting smaller. People are, are leaving. And the jobs are disappearing. And like I say, you go to Hakodate, which we do with some regularity, haven't obviously the last year and a half, two years now because of COVID, but, you know, Hakodate, there's a lot more shutters. You know, lots more stores are just closed. And I, I've noticed that when we visit it, when we visit it, it's, it's sad. I mean, Hakodate, it's a, it's a great town, um, but it's definitely a negative change that I've noticed in the past, you know, in my 17 years. I mean, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a problem for the big cities, you know, the, you, for your Tokyos, your Osakas, but I, I don't want to live in Tokyo, thank you very much. I mean, I did that, not in Tokyo, but in the Tokyo area. Did that for four years, and that was more than enough for me. Thank you very much. Um, Sendai's fine. You know, a million people, it's a good size. Sapporo, I'd be happy living in Sapporo, two million-ish, give or take. But bigger than that, mm, no thanks. There are a lot of other changes I've noticed to to, uh, kind of cultural changes. They haven't been any huge sudden paradigm shifts that that I've noticed, but there have been small changes, slow changes, sometimes agonizingly slow changes that have made a noticeable, small but noticeable difference for positive, in the positive direction in the past 17 years. And one of those changes is how, and this is the one that most directly affects me and my family, is how foreigners and people of mixed race, mixed ethnicity, right? Japanese calls them half, which I've talked about that before. Not my favorite term, but whatever. That's the term Japan has decided on, half. Um, but how, how foreigners and people of mixed ethnicity are portrayed and represented in the media and just kind of how they're accepted by society at large. There's less and less of the, hey, look at the dancing monkey phenomenon on TV. Because um, that certainly was still very much how foreigners on TV were treated when I came here. You'll still see it occasionally. Hey, look at this foreigner can do something funny. But more and more you see even just regular commentators who happen to be foreigners or happen to be, you know, they're they're half Japanese, half something else. And more and more they're just on TV speaking standard, normal Japanese. No one says anything about it. There's no big deal. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, let's talk to Robert Campbell. Who's a, he's, a, he's a professor at Tokyo University, who's also kind of become a media personality, right? Okay, let's have, what, is it, what do you think, Professor Campbell? And he'll just go off and talk about whatever it is, and, you know, and so and more and more we see that. And also, I think the, more and more, the people who are the, the hafu, the, the, the mixed ethnicity people, are more and more, I think, being accepted as just being Japanese. it's I don't think it's entirely there yet. I don't think the society is completely accepting the fact that these children, these adults now, a lot of them are, you know, that they are fully Japanese. Um, but more and more, okay, because of, I've, I know I talked, there's a whole episode I did about this, but more and more, you know, that they're the Miss Universe uh, representatives of Japan you know, they were a couple of half Japanese, half, I forget, one was Indi- Indian, maybe? I don't remember. What, one And one was uh, a black black American and Japanese mixed ethnicity. Um, and then people like uh, Naomi Osaka, um, some of the baseball players like Yu Darvish. More and more you see them on TV. You see them just being, okay, here's a Japanese rep- like, a representative of Japan for sports for beauty pageants for whatever and so i think that is certainly pushing the the conversation in a good direction right more people are just like yeah okay they're japanese whatever so that's great 
Um, it's like I say, it's not there entirely, but it's it's better than when I started my time in Japan. It's better than 17 years ago. So that's a good one. Um, you know, I think similar things can be said for women and their position in society. Um, again, this is not some, that, something that directly affects me, obviously, uh, being a white male. So uh, for non-Japanese, I'm the most privileged of the, the non-Japanese groups, right? A white male. Um, so I know that in terms of a, a white non-Russian white male, I should say, because Russians in Japan have kind of a, they kind of get a negative rap, negative rap. Um, but yeah, but generally speaking, I think women in Japan have it better now than they did 17 years ago. Again, there is still a lot of progress that needs to be made. I'm not saying that it's great to be a woman in Japan. I'm saying it's better than it was 17 years ago, I think, um, which is good. Again, these are small changes, but they are happening. And the same can be said for the uh, LGBTQIA plus community. Again, is it great? No, it's not great yet, but it's better. It is getting better than it was. Um, like I say, obviously, there are there are some cases that have, have shown up in the news, both for women's issues and for LGBTQIA uh, plus issues that are not haven't been what people would have hoped, um, right? It's so like, for example, uh, surnames in Japan. Unless if it, if the couple is one non-Japanese person, one Japanese person, they can have separate surnames. You so like my wife could she didn't have to take Isaacson if she didn't want to, but she wanted to take the Isaacson name. Okay, whatever. If you're married to a non-Japanese person, if you're a Japanese citizen married to a non-Jap, you can keep your Japanese name officially. If you are two Japanese citizens getting married, you must have the same surname. And this just went to court recently, and the people who are suing for letting the wife keep her name, they lost, unfortunately, um, because of the way the law is written. The court said, yeah, we while we disagree with the law, we don't necessarily think... I'm trying, I don't know that they said they disagree, but they didn't necessarily say the law was correct, but they said the way the law is written, it is not unconstitutional, basically. So they didn't necessarily agree with the law, but they didn't disagree with it. They just said it's, it is what it is, and we can't, we're the court, we can't change this. So, unfortunate, but yeah, the, so it's not, things aren't great, because technically the man can take his wife's name, um, and I have a friend who actually did that. Um, but generally, yes, in like 90 plus percent of the cases, it's the woman taking her husband's name um, because they have to. They don't have the choice legally. People can still use their maiden names professionally, and a lot of people, a lot of women do, um, especially in the entertainment industry. But officially, legally, that is not their name anymore. So that needs to change. People are pushing to change it. It hasn't gotten there yet. And some the same thing for like LGBTQIA. Uh, plus, there are some issues, right? But more and more, the majority of Japanese citizens now think gay people, LGBTQ, they should be able to get married. Great. But the law hasn't caught up yet with popular opinion. Hopefully that will come soon. Um, 
unfortunately for transgender situation, it's still, that's lagging. But I mean, I know that's kind of the new frontier. I don't, it's not, that's a way, horrible way to put it, but it's kind of the, the leading edge of, of the, of the culture fights, especially in places like the U S right now. Um, and in Japan, right. It's, there are still some major issues with transgender, uh, rights, but again, things are getting better. It's slow. It's frustratingly so sometimes, but it's getting better. And I hope it will continue to get better because, right, I've got a daughter. She's four years old. I hope that by the time she's an adult, Japan will be a better, even better place than it is now for everyone, right? Except, you know, if, if you want to be a hater again, you know, you can go, you can go get bent if you're a hater. You know, you don't think LGBTQI people should have all the rights? Go get bent, okay? Hopefully, Japan is moving towards expanding rights towards everyone. It is happening. It's slow. But I am cautiously optimistic um, because the young people I talk to seem to be pretty open-minded on a lot of things. And hopefully, it's going to take time, but hopefully as the old folks kind of drift out of power, things will change. So, yeah, 17 years. Things are getting better. Um, I mean, it's already a great place to live, but again, I, I'm, I'm a privileged foreigner. Hopefully, it will get better for everyone. And uh, yeah, like I say, I, that ended up a lot longer than I was expecting, but I, as always, have a lot to say. And like I say, summer break's here, so hopefully I will have a lot more for you um, come in the coming weeks. Um, no promises, of course, because I can't keep promises as, as, as far as a recording schedule this goes. But stay subscribed, um, which you can do on all the major platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Pandora, if you're in the U.S. You can subscribe and you don't have to worry about updates because they'll show up on your phone automatically or computer. I guess if you're listening on a computer, who listens to podcasts on their computer at this point? Everyone's got to be listening on their phone, right? Anyway, um, you can find the Twitter for this podcast at Just Another Cast. Uh, you can get history of Japan in little nuggets. Things that you never knew about history, that I never knew about history, that I'm learning, which is great. Um, you can also email the show if you have questions or comments or ideas. Uh, email is justanotherjerkpodcast at gmail.com. And... I another project for summer is to work on the website, which is tinyurl.com slash jerkpod. And like I say, that is something that's on my list of things to do for the summer, along with make more recordings. So that is all for today. And I hope you have a, had a good one. I'm Jonathan Isaacson, and I'm out. Peace. Peace.